Is it true that we've we've been doing this for three years? Yeah, it is true. We have been doing it because we started in October, do you remember? And then at the first, we had our birthday cake that Lisa did us mm. for our first birthday for the little event we did mm. in London. And three yeah, years. I know, three, three years of wasted life. Add up the number of hours we have spent. <laughs> I could have been doing something useful. I you could have learned a language. Or... I know, I could have written a book. I mean, that's easy, after yeah. all. Well, Anyone could do let's that. Let's not push it. <laughs> anyway, let's get on with it, shall we? Shall we? Happy birthday. Mm. And to you. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 90. Nine zero of the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. So it and is. There on a screen opposite me. Hello. The beautiful Joe Davis Thank in you. all his glory. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I do right. I'm taking a photo of the screen actually. Oh yeah, with that drink, please. I thought I'd put it on the Facebook page. Excellent. Excellent. Nice to see you taking medicinal stuff while we podcast. Great. Listen, I've got to get take something to get me through this yeah. nonsense. <laughs> oh, well, we are podcasting a bit later in the evening. Norman, as well. we, are. So we are. Good. Yeah. Hey, what a weekend. So tell me all about it. Well, only the lovely Pat and Dave Tomlinson came to stay. And Dave did this Enneagram day. And it was just superb. But what was so exciting, apart from the lovely Dave Tomlinson speaking on the Enneagram, was to meet so many listeners. Hey, it was so great to see That's what nice. I love. We have the best listeners out. I mean, they just are, objectively are, the best. And, uh, yeah, my thanks to them and for all the lovely things they said. So we must have had nearly all our podcast listeners there, I would imagine. <laughs> what, there were seven? <laughs> And and um, tell me, did you, what did you learn? I I learnt something very interesting. I learnt that sevens and fours <laughs> get on very well. No, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not always true though. <laughs> yeah. So so no. why why? And we should explain. You're you're a yeah, seven. Yes, so I'm a seven. I, I'm probably a four. Yeah, and you're probably a four. Well, you are. Um, I am. And um, well, is there something about the dynamic of the melancholy of the four and the sheer upness of the seven means that they kind of need each other? And that is that is the dynamic. Yeah, that is pretty much it. That isn't it? genuinely is the dynamic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's great, and thanks to everyone who came along and for all the nice things they said to me. I mean, obviously, some people didn't talk to me at all because they're. Just embarrassed by the whole thing, but yeah, yeah no, uh, How about you? Well, what's happening? Yeah. Why do you look uh, so drained and gaunt? I'm really tired <laughs> because I had to get up at four uh, thirty this morning. Did you? To take my wife to the airport. I didn't take her to the airport. I took her to a coach to get on to go to the airport. Okay. Uh, she going on holiday yeah. without you again? Well, she claims it's a work thing. <laughs> mm. Don't know. So, how are you amusing yourself? Uh, I'm going to amuse myself by going to bed very early <laughs> and getting some sleep. I think. Uh, so I'm a bit. But I had a good weekend. I went to see my brother, which was lovely. Oh, he's and, a good man. Uh, he took me to Whipsnade Zoo. I haven't been to Whipsnade Zoo since oh, I was a whippersnapper. Really? Well, 
That's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? It was lovely. It was lovely. Yeah. And uh, went in the butterfly house. I, I decided I really like butterflies. These butterflies were amazing. They They're huge. And and one of them was so big, it, it was gliding. I've never oh, seen a butterfly glide yeah, before. But, yeah. That's wow, amazing. that's incredible. What a lovely yeah. thing. So oh, it was lovely. Good. But it was but it was quite, you know, it feels quite packed and busy. But uh, anyway, but, well, a... I'm good. And, and I, but I can't see properly either. Why can't you see? Uh, because I think I've, I think I, I've got to go back to the opticians because I got a bad prescription. So you're looking. If I look at your one eye, you're looking lovely because you're ever so slightly blurred. <laughs> Other eye, oh, sharp, horrible. <laughs> I'm all right. I can see clearly now. The rain has gone. It's anyway, very good. Uh, right. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we march on? Shall we? Unless there's anything uh, else you want to tell me about your life. No, not really. No, I'm just kind of drinking a very good beer and that's it. Yeah. Well. So why don't we just have a nice cheery start, lots to celebrate, lots of good things. Let's yeah. talk about death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd podcast, this one, isn't it? Because it's kind of like, um, you well, know, yeah. it, it could get, it could feel like a bit heavy in a way, but it's it's based around a, a cracking email we got. So, we, you know. we've It's based around a really good email we got from someone. And you and I have been saying, Francis, we should really talk about death. And I'm one of those people that say we should talk about death more. It's like, it's a stigma, it's a taboo subject. And we don't deal with death very well as a culture. But we're putting mm. this sort of slight warning in because I just feel like pastorally, if you've just suffered a bereavement, maybe the last thing you want to do is tune into a podcast on death. Then again, it might help. I don't know. But you should decide whether you want to go any further. But we are going to well, talk about death. Pastorally, I wouldn't have thought it's good to listen to this podcast in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it's, it's not a good idea. It's just going to mess with you. Think yeah, you've got yeah. problems and <laughs> listen to this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we are being sensitive. We are. Aren't we? We're getting in touch with our sensitive side. We, we have talked mm. about this before, of course. Some some more observant listeners may note. But but really, we had such such a good e- email in. We just thought it probably deserves a episode to itself, really, in some ways. So, so yeah. So, but to, just to let me set the scene. Okay. Um, set the scene. Is, set the scene. It was a dark and stormy night. Mm. Uh, oh. No, we had to, well, basically what we got here is a kind of <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what we've got here is a kind of um, email conversation, if you like, uh, an email we had from uh, a lady called Danny in Uganda responding to an email that we, was we read out and was broadcast many moons ago uh, from our friend Lacey. Yeah. Uh, and just looking at two kind of different experiences, so we're going to read, you know, you know, both emails. But before we start, let's let's sort of. I thought it'd be good just to chat to you about the, you know, the background, as it were. You deal, and some of our listeners will know this. You deal on a day-to-day basis with grieving yeah, families and with, with death, so it's a very kind of real thing to yeah, you. Literally um, two hours ago, I was chatting to a chap who invited me over to his house to talk about his own funeral. He's dying, so he just thought... Which is right. quite unusual. I don't do that. I've done it many times, but that's not the normal way it works. Normally, the person has died before you go and arrange a funeral, yes. but occasionally yes. you do meet with someone and they want to talk about death. Yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, I suppose he's still with the old minister hat and want to bring a bit of comfort and everything and, you know, deal pastorally and helpfully and well, but also really positively, I think, with those things. What, how has your... Uh, view of death changed since you've become a celebrant as opposed a, to being yeah, a minister? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I am, 
I'm a very much more committed universalist. I mean, I thought I was a universalist um, <laughs> for many years. But when I realised, just dealing with these lovely people who perhaps had no religious beliefs or anything, you know, I realised that it, it, it's a, it, it seemed to me to be nonsense that, you know, there's this sort of divvying out of people who believe stuff and people who don't believe stuff afterwards. That just seems, that just seems mm. crazy to me. So I think that side of it has changed. Um, and I, th I think because I'm confronted by it all, it just doesn't shock me anymore. I mean, mm. it doesn't. I mean, every now and then there's something very tragic and that can be shocking. But for the most part, someone dying who's had a long and full life um, doesn't shock me. And I see it as an opportunity to, yes, be sad and to mourn the loss, but also to celebrate a life well lived, which generally there's mm. plenty to find in people's lives that has been done well and good. And I suppose there's a sense of meeting you know meeting people and encountering new people because when when you're a minister particularly if you're yeah. not if you're a vicar so much because vicars get to bury all kinds of people because yeah. you know the parish system and all that kind of stuff yeah. when you're a free church minister i suppose most funerals tend to be from within the family they were church members so they're people you knew and often you knew them quite well yes so so it is it is different for me now it is more of a wow i could i don't know who i'm going to be meeting yeah and what yeah. And what level of belief they have or, or all those sort of things so yeah so what do you what do you think about the uh, well we have talked about this but yeah. but what what's your view of the afterlife well that now. see i i feel like i've got a bit of a confession to make here and this won't satisfy you i'm sure and and or some listeners but i i really don't have a well thought through theology of heaven anymore and i sort of quite miss it i i used to be very clear what i believed it was kind of like willy wonka's chocolate factory mm. and that still comforts me you know a kind of heaven well, it would like that. Yeah, <laughs> I can eat. I just just <laughs> eternal eating and drinking. Um, but uh, I suppose, in part, again, that's through dealing with so many people who don't have belief systems. So a very typical scenario, and this happens over and over again, is that I, I meet a family and they say, well, "Well, we don't want anything religious. They weren't religious. Mm, we don't want mm. anything." And I go, "Okay, right, fine. Okay, that's that's good. Let's move on." And um, and then at the at the actual funeral, one of them gets up to do a tribute and says, "I know you're looking down on me," and, yeah, you, and yeah. I'm thinking, "Hang on, that's a terrible cosmology. <laughs> you seriously, <laughs> they are not looking down." <laughs> but you know, it's just so it made me question how much do we create beliefs because they comfort us and we just mm. need to believe them because they bring comfort in the time of crisis and and does it really matter whether they're accurate or not well it does matter because isis in suicide bombers are told that the afterlife is going to be glorious if they kill a lot of infidels mm. so clearly mm. it does matter what you believe but when it comes to the sort of pictures and images of heaven I, I i do think sometimes we need to believe stuff that might not be strictly speaking factually accurate but like you said in your book it might be true so you know do i believe in god what kind yes. of thing well i do, do believe mean? well what i this is what i can say about what i believe mm. i believe we die into god i believe mm. there's you know the other side of my physical death lies some kind of union with God. 
But now mm. I am very vague on the details. You know, I know some people want to take the whole, you know, um, I go to prepare a room for you or a mansion for you. And if I go there, I'm going to take you back. And so people believe we have mansions, whereas I think that's just marriage language that Jesus nicked from an enga- yes. a Jewish engagement I, ceremony to, to, to make a point. So I don't really think that I'll necessarily have a house. <laughs> no, I also don't think that's actually about the afterlife. That, no, that, exactly. That's, no. that's actually about when Jesus returns after the resurrection. So it's about living with God here and now. So I yeah. don't think that's got anything to do with it. As, yeah. And I think pretty much exclusively that's what Jesus talked about. He didn't really talk about it. And, you know, you know, you can't take... Well, I wouldn't take the stuff in parables particularly literally either. So you're left with this kind of um, a slight void, I think, in the Bible about what's heaven and what's it look like. And, you know, I wish Jesus had come back and said, hey, fellas, I've been up there for a bit. Just let me tell you a bit about it because you're all going now after you Mm. die. But Jesus opted not to do that option. And so here we are in the kind of not knowing of it all. So I'm happy for myself just to go, do you know, we die into God. We merge back. My atoms go on and get recycled into all kinds of other things like they were before I was formed. They were all kinds of other things. I was once a star. Have you considered that, Nick? You still are a star. A shining star. You'll always be a star to me. Well, I'm going to be a star in about 8 billion years' time when Andromeda crashes into our galaxy or our sun burns out. One of those ways I'm going to be a star. So what are you in the afterlife if your atoms have gone... That's a very good point. Isn't elsewhere. It? Well, exactly. And this is why some people didn't like um, cremation, isn't it? And some people yeah. still don't they, burial because they think that somehow they're going to be, I don't know, uh, reinvigorated into their existing bodies, which, you know, I would have thought is a bit doubtful, isn't it? Anyway, so I, I think consciously I fuse with God. I merge back with the divine, with the Christ, okay. and all yeah. will be well. And it well, will be good. beautiful. But that's it. I, that's all I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I have... I think... I, I, I disagree with you in some ways. I'd be disappointed um, if you didn't. <laughs> one is I think that the New Testament does have... Uh, and the Bible generally does have a very good theology of heaven, but heaven isn't actually where we're going anyway. No. So heaven is the kingdom of God, which is parallel... It's the other dimension. It's parallel to this earthly dimension. It's the domain of God. It's not... You know, heaven is, there's plenty of points in the Bible where, you know, the veil is drawn back, as it were, and people see into the heavenly realms. So heaven is is the the domain that's all around us. Yes, I agree. Well, as St. Belinda of Carlisle reminds us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, can you give the quote? I believe she said heaven is a place on earth. She did, I think. Oh, bless another female 80s pop theologian. Um. (laughs) So for me, the physicality of 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 the afterlife is really important, and the sense that 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 actually our future is on a new earth. There'd be a new heaven and a new earth. So what would what would what would that look like? I mean, um, like well, this, I don't, only I, I don't, bigger. Yeah, I don't know really. And would I still be as fat? I, you would be glorious. <laughs> well, I'm already that. So you know, it's kind of like you would be, you'd be wonderful. Um, I think um, th- there's a sort of different mode of existence, but it's, but it would feel, you know, have all the great bits of this this mode of existence. So the Bible does talk about the the new earth, and I think there's a very well developed theology about that. Uh, uh, in a li- uh, in a literal uh, way, would you say? 
Well, I say, I think I do believe in that. I think I do believe in the physicality of it all and, and the importance of that. I love the quote. There's a quote by Dallas Willard talking about his own death when he says, um, he says, I think when I die, it might be some time until I know oh, it. Oh, I, uh, I love that. You know, until yeah. I realise it because, because, you know, you're just carrying on. It's He's a, an eternal, mode... unceasing being. Yeah. 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 A different mode of existence with the good things of existence still intact and... And and the scars yeah. transformed, and so you know, it, it, he he argues, and there'll still be things like caring for people, or 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 learning, or growing, or creativity, all, all the, you know, I, I just I just feel passionately. Why would all the stuff that makes life worth living in the first place stop? Well, I like the I love that phrase of yours, a different mode of being. That makes complete sense to me, and I'm I'm on that page. But when when we drill down into the detail, I start to think, are there still going to be leaking showers and do I have to fix them? And no, who no. Do, and who does the washing up? <laughs> well, because maybe that's you know that that's the sort of thing that troubles me. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. And I don't uh, you know, and it does tend towards the slightly really one quish, but for me it's kind of um it it brings on all the joy and the greatness of 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 um of this earth. I think there's just something truly wonderful about bodies and earth and physical objects in the first place. Um and so yes. that's well, that- my th- view of it that I think that we will be on the, uh, you know there'll be a new earth, a new creation. And I don't know how that's going to work, but unfortunately I don't have to know no. how it's going to work really. No, uh, but that's that's the well, that, in, to in me that is sense, a thoroughly biblical view. In that well. sense, we are agreed that we oh. don't know how it's going to work out. But you're going for right in there for the sort of physical, actual new heaven, new earth, new body, and I'm 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 with a more wishy-washy merging to the Christ. Yeah, you see, I don't really want to wishy-wash and merge with anything, really. I I, like I you know I I can't bear that thought really of just becoming all sort of ghostly. I don't really like that. I I think. I suppose it's it's partly as well what you kind of brought up with. I I always hated the visions of heaven that I was given. Yeah. You know, as a youngster, which were all about endlessly praising God. Oh yeah, yeah. And and just sort of floating around in a sort of ethereal nighty. Oh, yeah. In a in a city of gold and pearls and you know like walking on Lego the whole time and and you know and and just singing songs of praise to God endlessly I yeah. thought oh, I can't bear the thought of that even God must get fed up with it after a while <laughs> <laughs> anybody know any other tunes <laughs> yeah. anyway listen so okay the the thing we can agree on I suppose is that whether we think about the afterlife death is um is is pretty certain you know as someone said you know death and taxes are the two great it is certainties and, of life, and it is, and I'm I'm sorry I don't have such a sexy view of it as you do, but but you're right, oh, and and it's a big fear. <laughs> perhaps it's perhaps it's the biggest fear. Is it the number one primal what, fear? death? Yeah, is it because you think about other fears? You can do things like if you're scared of the dark, you can turn the light on. If you're scared of spiders, you know, don't go to places with big spiders or avoid those yeah. places. You you can generally run away from them, but. The one fear that we're not going to be able to do anything about is death. Well, psychologists would say, and certain psychologists would have said, Mm. yeah, that is the primal fear. I've never quite understood that. And I don't think my issues with, with, you know, as I go through this veil of tears, Mm. I don't think I'm scared of death. I think life scares me a lot more. Yeah. 
you know, no, what happens in life yeah, here and now, which I'd point. like to talk about a bit later on, but, you know, yeah. what happens in our lives here and now is much more scary than death. Death, to me, would... You know, I don't want suffering and I don't want that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I, I don't okay, want, yeah. you know, there's a loss and that kind of thing. I don't, you know, the mode of it could be scary. But the actual destination, I don't find any. Yeah, I've never interesting. felt scared of it, really. Yes, well, there we go. Well, look, so, let's get back to this. Uh, these yeah, lovely emails, these two lovely emails. Okay. Um, so, shall I start with reading Oh yeah, Lacey's? Shall oh, I do one? Please do. Okay, so this is a, an email from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Lacey, who lives uh, in America, I believe, still. And um, and she wrote this some time back. She said, um, When I was young, I had a sister who died in infancy. As my parents grieved, it was as if death came into the room. I've never known a day that I did not think of death. When I was very young, death scared me. As a young adult, I visited cancer hospitals in Kazakhstan and sat with very sick and dying children. Again, death was always in the room, but death became less and less scary. Two years ago, I found out I was positive for the breast cancer gene. After a double mastectomy and having all my female organs removed, I had to deal with the idea of death again. These last two years have been a gift. I have thought deeply about what is most important to me in the world. I have sought to prioritise things in my life. Telling people no has become much, much easier as a form of people pleaser. It's as if in the last two years, death is not only in the room, I've decided to make friends with death. I've decided to invite death to the table and have a cup of tea. Gerald May talked about death as well. As he was dying from cancer, he dug a shallow grave in the dirt and laid down and felt the dirt on his skin and imagined himself basically dying, decomposing. And while that might sound really morbid, there is a comfort. I too went out into my backyard, sat in a shallow hole in the dirt and began to reconcile my, my own death. I imagined when my heart would stop beating, when the blood would stop pumping through my body when I took my last breath and I found myself crying, not from the loss, but from a deep, deep gratitude of life wonderfully given. To be clear, my bill of health is good at this particular time. I don't want you to worry about me. I still live with a genetic abnormality, but death isn't in the corner with a black robe and a sickle. Instead, she is at the table with me. She looks a bit like a wise woman who knows how to steward the past, present and future and who takes her tea with honey. When I was in the Renovare Institute, I remember Dallas Willard saying that no one comes into this world alone and no one dies alone. I feel very sure that he's right. Man alive. Uh, well, You'll have to edit man. out this space. I can't talk for a moment. <laughs> uh, so powerful. So great. Wowie. Oof. Okay. So, shall I read Danny's? Yes. So okay. th this is the response we had some uh, a couple of weeks ago. And of course, the wonderful thing about podcasts is, you know, they stay up there. So this is someone just working through the back catalogue. So I think yeah. that one was first read out 18 months ago, I think. Right. So... So here we go. This is from Danny. She says, Dear Joe and Nick, thank you for the podcast. I appreciate your humour and honesty and the space you've created to open discussion and reflection. It's a breath of fresh air. I'm a newcomer to the podcast and I'm working my way through the back catalogue. I've just listened to the episode with Lacey Borgo's moving feedback on the one about death. I came to the end of myself and was plunged deep into the painful reality of death two years ago when my husband Dave died suddenly and unexpectedly. Though something about Lacey's email resonated hope in me, I found her concept of making friends with death difficult. I'm discovering the value in befriending grief and allowing her to guide me through my loss. 
I'm slowly learning not to turn away from my pain and not to numb it with food, but to acknowledge it, sit with it and even explore what it might have to show me. But I confess I struggle with the idea of befriending death. At the moment, death still feels like a thief. Death took away from me the person I love. Death robbed me of the life we shared and death stole the future we had planned together. To me, it feels like grief walks through loss, through loss with me accustomed to and unafraid of the raw, fierce emotions and messy reality of loss, whereas death simply took away and now stands at a distance, dispassionately observing the destruction. Who knows, maybe one day I will think differently about death, but I will say that the shattering of my life certainly stripped away the illusion that I am in any way in control of my life, and through excruciatingly painful, I am grateful it is bringing about a deeper experience of God's love for me and understanding of the freedom and life that comes from surrendering to love. In the same episode as Lace's email, Joe, you got carried away explaining your narrative of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, not intervening to make all things right, but God with us all, in all of life, in darkness and in light. I say a resounding yes to that. That is increasingly my understanding and my experience. I am finding my assumptions about what life is and the expectations of how things should turn out are changing. Life in all its fullness is about living, the whole journey and meeting Jesus in all of it. In the shock and bewilderment of stumbling, in the pain and humiliation of having fallen, in the strength and courage of getting up again, and in the joy or fear of moving forward. Anyway, I'm sorry I've gone on a little. I'm truly grateful for your podcast and the sense of community it creates. Thank you, Danny. By the way, I live in Uganda. Do you know of any other listeners here? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's just a beautiful, honest, you know, heartfelt, yeah email about and and i think it just strips away the the sort of mystique here what we're talking about is something truly awful a major mm. trauma a major encounter and how does faith speak to that or not speak to it i guess yeah mm. yeah i mean i think there's a couple of things that really uh spoke to me and sort of it stirred in me one 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 is the you know that sense of the, sh the how she says the shattering of my life stripped away the illusion I'm in any way control. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah. it throws you back on God's love and understanding the freedom that comes from surrendering. There is that sense that these these events um, take you into a place of um, surrender. And I think yeah. that's partly it. You know, where you, with you, however you. I'm not sure, you know, perhaps the problem is, does it depend on the kind of death we're talking about as to yeah. how friendly you can feel towards it? Yeah, yeah, perhaps it does. I mean, it's. I think it's probably relatively easy to befriend death when it's a 90-year-old who's passed yeah. peace peacefully in their sleep. I think yeah. it's another thing, like, the, you know, we had the, um, the air show in Shoreham the other year when people were just, you know, just enjoying themselves and suddenly their life was snatched with them in a few seconds. And then you have children's deaths, you know, from various illnesses. And, you know, those tragedies somehow seem much, much mm. worse to reconcile mm. and to figure out. Um, so yeah. I think there, the, the language of befriending it, I, yeah. I wonder how I would cope with that. And I, But well, as I was reading it, I was thinking about um, Jesus's injunction to to love our enemies. Yes, yeah, no, and to I forgive those who do harm to us. Yeah, and and you know what? Part of the reason I was thinking about it is because I don't really have many enemies, yeah. if I'm honest. 
I mean, I don't no. really associate with many people anyway. So, that you know, I, <laughs> but I don't have... So, it, yeah. it, it, what does that mean for me? You know, I'm not living in a land under occupation or anything like that. What, yeah. does, it, what does it mean for me? And I wondered whether maybe... You know, the idea of forgiving your enemies, of loving your enemies extends to these kinds of things, to death itself. Yeah. Maybe death, maybe we need to forgive death. Maybe we need to forgive or we could talk about accepting, Mm. if you want to talk a more psychological kind of term, all kinds of other experiences that we see as enemies. Yeah. But but maybe bound up in the idea of befriending death or welcoming death, there's a sense of, you know, seeing it whole and, 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 yeah, um, realizing it's part of life's experience and forgiving uh, it from that point, of view. which doesn't mean you have to approve of what it does. When you forgive your enemies, you don't have yeah. to approve of what they do. Yeah, you don't have to like no, it necessarily. Exactly. No, no, and you can take it. Sometimes it's appropriate to take a peaceful, non-violent stance against it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that, and I'm not sure what that means in terms of illness, but I do think, you know, we've talked a lot about oppositional energy and resistance and yeah. fighting against. And actually, there's, there does seem to be a spiritual path towards acceptance of these dualities, life and death and, you know, war and peace and, you know, whatever the dualities are. There does seem to be like there's this place and space where it's all going to happen and somehow... Rather than spending all your energy, and I'm speaking as a seven on the Enneagram here, just making sure you're enjoying the whole ride and and absolutely running away from anything that looks like pain. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, even a seven can't run away from death and you can't run away from the torture of grief if it happens to you suddenly Mm. either. Mm. Maybe somehow you've got to stop that kind of resistant energy and sit with and live with life in all its fullness which incorporates death and grief. But that's a very easy thing for us to pontificate about in our nice warm oh, rooms yeah. at the moment. Yeah. You know, with you know, I can't imagine the grief that some of the people I've gone to, you know, to lose one of your children. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I can't begin to imagine. I mean, I think about it. You know, do you ever think about it? I think, yeah. yeah don't I, do. we, well, I think as a parent, yeah. you just fret about that stuff. I can remember when my son did nearly die. And, uh, you know, it was just you know, the darkest hour, mm. you know, of my life, mm. I think. But, yeah, yeah. It was terrible. So so, so you do fantasise about those things, but to actually be hit by it is, is devastating. And But I somehow think, you know, if if something terrible happens to you, life does still go on. And somehow you're still... Though, although it's right, you know, to say you don't have any control over it, you don't have any control over it, but you do have a certain amount of control about how you're going to now live. Mm. And one of the things that I often say, and a master say at the start of a funeral is, so-and-so wouldn't have wanted us to have been sat here all sad and mm. miserable and weeping. Mm. They would have wanted us to be laughing and celebrating. Mm. And that's generally true. Mm. Um, so how do we choose... Without denying the pain, how do we choose to accept and live with the complexities of stuff like grief? Well, I think you can, you know, sort of psychologically speaking, you can just steal yourself to kind of what's called radical acceptance, to say, accept it's going to happen, it is going to be there. Yeah. It is what it is. This this is it. 
Yeah. And as I said, I think one of the strengths of sort of reframing it slightly um, for me out of the befriending but into the kind of forgiving or, you know, accepting thing is that, as I said, it doesn't mean that I don't have to fight against this. I spent quite a lot of my life writing words that I intended to raise prayer and support for Christians who are being killed mm. or who mm. are at risk of being killed. So I want I want death to stop in that instance. I want to fight yeah. against it, and I yeah. don't want to just kind of go into it going, oh well, you know, case yeah. of I don't, you know, yeah. I don't, I'm fatalistic about no, things. Exactly. I don't want to go in there. I want to fight against unjust death, and this is why I say partly it, the manner of death, the mode of death is is crucial. You know how mm. how that happens, and there are, uh, you know, there is a good death, and there is there are terrible sort of. Mm. bad deaths as well but I think so yeah. I, th- I want a, a kind of view of it that allows me to fight against unjust death allows me to sort of support you know medical research doesn't just take mm. it as uh, you know fatalism yeah. but actually also allows me to step back and, and recognise it and, and yeah. not to deny it because I think that's the other thing that we're doing increasingly in our society is yeah. that we deny the reality of it Yes. We hide it away in yeah. a little... And then when it know, does happen, we often don't grieve it well, and so it's worse no. because we don't know how no. to grieve. We haven't been taught, and we don't do it well as a culture. Some cultures do it much better, I have to say. Yeah, and people have said to me, you know, oh, I know I should be stronger than this or whatever, and I'm thinking, well, no, you shouldn't. Mm. You don't have to be stronger than you this. You said that. Because you don't have to. Denial is very bad for you, <laughs> yeah, you know, in that exactly sense. Exactly right. Um, so that's why I think that those two kinds of languages, the, the, you know, the, the the sort of whether you view it as a friendship, whether you view it as accepting it, whether you view it as mm. forgiving an enemy, um, seeing it, but seeing it for what it truly is, is, is really important for me. I don't know. Like you say, I, 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 you know, I haven't been touched too much, in a sense, by death in my mm. life. Mm. And I honestly don't know what or how I will react no. when it crashes in on me. But I I have been inspired by people um, who have died well, mm. and and I've also inspired by Lacey's email and a friend of mine who's just undergone cancer treatment with the shadow of death hanging over her. And I think, man, I I definitely want to learn this because, mm. you know, ultimately I, we should perhaps focus on what we do agree on. I mean, and I think one of the things that we agree on, and to correct me if I'm wrong, is that. We've all come from God. We've been given this wonderful gift of life mm. to, you know, which is an opportunity to love and reflect the divine image. And when we die, we we return to God. Mm. And, you know, that's, you know, in a summary of my <laughs> entire theological, systematic theology, I think. <laughs> that's about it. Mm. How did that module go? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get marked so well for that. I think they felt it lacked a certain detail. <laughs> but, but that, yeah. but in in simplicity, none of that has changed through the mid faith crisis. I mean, that has pretty much always been with me. And I think probably now, and doing the job that I do, I cling to that belief and reality more than ever. But mm. the detail around those things has has become less important for me. And actually, the more you try to define it, that it seems to me it just creates too many questions in a mm. way. Um, so I'm I'm very I, I've got to the place in my life now. I think let's find out when I get some you know fatal illness. But I I think I am 
are very much at peace with the idea that when my time comes, I'm going to die into God. Mm. Um, but I'm going home. I'm mm. going home. I'm going back whence I came. And that's good enough for me. Personally. Great. I think I, the, the only qualification I think I've made that is that I don't think, I think you die further into God. You know, I don't think we're apart from God now. No, exactly. So, uh, you know, the language of return to God may be... Ah, yeah. It's going on further into God. That's a fair point, fair point. Uh, Well, I think we should should wrap this up now. Yes, Um, I think we probably should. That's quite enough cheerfulness for everybody. Indeed, yeah. It's been a laugh a minute. (laughs) uh, It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be a laugh, is it? But it was important to say these things, I think. So, yes, indeed. yes. Um, a thank you to Lacey again and to Danny for yes. writing just, you know, incredible emails. Fabulous emails. Really appreciate um, really it. Really grateful. Well, I hope I hope people found that um, uh, helpful or, or stimulating or, or at least not traumatising. Um, you know, do get in touch with us if yeah, you uh, please want do. to contribute. Yes, if you've got any comments or reflections at all, you know, even if you just want to call me a complete heretic, you wouldn't be the first. Just uh, send in your emails to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. And thank you particularly to everybody who supports the podcast. If you, yes. um, if you, uh, three years, three years we've been doing <laughs> Long this years. on a pittance, <laughs> a pittance. So if you, we're very grateful for people who support the podcast regularly if you'd like to do that you can do that from our website yep uh and you hit the donate button and then give whatever you can it's it's we're very grateful yes we really are thank you so much um anyway uh thank you very much yes we'll be back in a couple of weeks time cheers (laughs) bye